Hi, welcome to my CBT podcast. This is Dr. Julie Osborne, and as always, I appreciate you being here with me. So I want to start off with a new review that I got this week, which I'm always grateful when you guys take the time to listen and take the time to put a review on Apple Podcasts. That means a lot. So this is from Sergeant Preston, and he says, how can I help? Which was about my last podcast I just did last week. So it says, thank you, Dr. Osborne, for helping us to help others in these crazy times. I have a friend who lives alone and the pandemic has caused her a lot of fear. So I like to help her when I can. The recommendation to just ask, how can I help? Rather than assuming we know what they need is a great way to support them. So thanks, Sergeant Preston. I'm glad you found that really helpful. And again, that is a good reminder. Just asking someone, how can I help? versus assuming you know what they need and then not really meeting their needs. So again, I appreciate that. And for all of you, if you can subscribe, rate and review at Apple Podcasts, I really appreciate it and just gets the word out more and more people listening. And, you know, as always, my intention is to teach cognitive behavioral therapy to as many people as I can and using this as a platform to reach lots of people, which it's doing, which is super and really, really great. So I really am excited about that. So today I wanted to talk about core beliefs. Core beliefs are something that all of us have. We have positive core beliefs. We have negative core beliefs. Obviously, we want to leave our positive ones alone and grow with those, but we want to identify what are our negative core beliefs and how to change them. So let me first tell you what a core belief is. All right. So if you think about your core, it's at the center of who you are and it's a belief. It's stronger than a thought about yourself and that these core beliefs are created when you are either in a long-term negative situation or when you have a traumatic event that happens to you. So for example, you know, we just had another 9-11 pass, right? And that would be an example that if you were in New York City on that day and experienced 9-11, in that moment, you could create a core belief that the world is a dangerous place which a lot of people did. I know for a long time, a lot of people wouldn't fly, wouldn't want to go outside of our country. There are a lot of things that really created a lot of fear from that one incident, right? So that's one way you can develop a negative core belief. If you've ever been, you know, attacked by someone of a different ethnicity or race, you could develop a core belief right there that, you know, all blanks are terrible people. So that's another example. The other example of the long-term negative situation is You know, most of us develop our core beliefs as children, which I'll talk about in just a second. So it, it, but it isn't always from childhood. You know, you could have a negative core belief created if you're, say, working in a hostile environment and you're there for years, right? So that would be an example. If you're in a really toxic or violent relationship, that can develop a negative core belief as well. So they can develop at any time in our lives. We can still develop them down the road you know, not knowing what's going to happen to us and our experiences, but it doesn't, it's not just a childhood thing, which I just wanted to clarify that because I think a lot of people always think it comes from your childhood. A lot of times it does. They can be created at all different times in your life. So as a child, our negative core beliefs are created really based on our environment and the things our parents teach us, right? And, and how we're treated within our family. A lot of people can develop core beliefs, you know, thinking they're not lovable or they're worthless, they're not good enough based on how they were treated, if they were abandoned as a child, if they felt that they were ignored at home, if they were compared to their siblings, you know, if they never reached these, you know, high goals or parents maybe set for them, you know, those type of things. 
you know, I've heard stories about teachers not being very kind or being patient, you know, with my patients, and that made them feel like they weren't good enough, or maybe they were compared to other students in the class, right? Or, you know, all the kids with the A's got, you know, announcements or maybe stickers, and if you didn't get an A, you didn't get one. So those are, you know, just continual behaviors, experiences that you go through that develop these core beliefs. So to clarify where the core beliefs are within us a little more, I always use an image with my clients of a tree. So if you think of the roots of the tree, when you can't see them and they're underground, that's your core beliefs. And then the trunk of the tree are your assumptions. And then all the leaves and the branches are all your automatic thoughts and hot thoughts that I talk about all the time. And that's where they stem from. They stem from your core. Okay. So the other problem with core beliefs, negative ones, are that they tend to be absolute thoughts. As I said earlier, I'm unlovable. I'm inadequate. I'm unattractive. I'm weak. I'm bound to be abandoned. I'm incompetent. All of those are negative core beliefs. And they're, again, they're absolute. So when you have that absolute thought, you're not walking around normally like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable, right? I'm inadequate. But it's there. And that's where all the assumptions and that's where all the hot thoughts stem from. So I always pose this with my clients when we start working on this. And I say, you know, think about a positive core belief you have, you know, and they'll say, for example, you know, I'm, I'm a trustworthy friend. So I said, great. So I say, when you go and you're going to hang out with your friends, do you ever worry that you're not going to be for the, there for them, that you can't be a good friend, that you can't hold their secrets? And they're like, no. And I'm like, exactly. When you have a positive core belief, you don't have any hot thoughts because you just have that belief in yourself and that confidence and how you hold yourself and how you deal with people in the world that you just don't even have them. So when you can change your negative core belief to a positive core belief, all of that just will disappear <laughs> and go away. Not that you never have a negative you know, thought, of course, but in general, it's not going to be running your life like it probably is now. And, you know, the crazy thing is we don't even know what they are. And that's why sometimes we're like, why am I repeating this behavior? Why do I keep hitting the same wall? Why do I keep choosing the same people in my life over and over again that aren't healthy for me? Because at that core, we got to figure out what that is. I also want to say, you know, it can be a really emotional exercise. So I also tell my clients, you know, in the Mind Over Mood book, this is in chapter 12, talks about core beliefs. I say, you know, take your time. We're not rushing. We don't have to change this, you know, super fast. You know, I had years ago, I had a client come back to the office for an appointment. I asked her where her book was and she literally tore it up into shreds <laughs> uh, because when she was identified, this core belief was just, you know, she had a lot of trauma in her life, it was just so overwhelming. She just couldn't even handle it at that moment. And she just tore her book up. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Close your book. Okay. If you're feeling overwhelmed as you're working through things take a break. Okay. It's not always just pushing through it. Take a break, close the book, take a walk, go do something that feels good. Go back to it when you're ready. Okay. Don't feel like I have to get this done right now. It will come in time. And you'll see, as I share with you, the exercises you can do to also change your negative core belief to a positive one that, you know, it takes time because a lot of us have, you know, maybe been believing this core belief for most of our lives, right? So depending on how old you are, you know, you're talking maybe 30, 40, 50 years sometimes. It's not going to take that long to change you, which is the good news I tell everybody. But, you know, it usually I tell everybody, I said, you know, give yourself about a year for it to get to where you really want it to be, where it's really strong. 
So it doesn't mean as the year goes along, you're not going to feel better, which you will, because it's going to start being more believable for you, right? That I am lovable versus I'm not lovable. And it will get to where you want it to be, but along the way, it will feel good as well. All right. So again, the core beliefs are at our core. They tend to be absolute thoughts. Sometimes they're a view of the world. So they're not an absolute thought. And they really are running our lives. And, you know, shifting your core belief to the opposite can bring big changes into your life. And I will share a little bit about my core belief and how I changed mine over time and therapy and learning CBT, where it's not an issue for me today. So it's really important to work on this. And I want to say that we start teaching, or I start teaching my clients the fall record, right? Which I've taught you guys about whatever the situation, your moods, your thoughts, right? Identifying your hot thoughts, challenging them and coming up with a new thought. I teach clients the thought record first because those can work pretty quick and people can start getting better. You know, the core belief takes time, like I said, I've had some clients say, why don't we start here first? You know, and I'm like, this is big stuff, big stuff. And that we want to get some tools going to start helping with the mood and then getting to this core belief. And also, when you do enough thought records over time, you may notice that you have a hot thought that is repetitive in lots of different situations. Most likely, that will be a core belief then. So once you do enough thought records, that can also help you. And a lot of times, by the time we get to core beliefs, we realize actually you've been working on changing it just from doing your thought records. So it all comes together. It all works together. It's all good. All good. And we want to understand again more in depth about, okay, I got to figure out what's my core belief. So also the core beliefs can be about yourself. I know I've just focused on that one, but it can be about others. You know, it can be others aren't trustworthy. Others are hurtful. You know, others, you know, are to get me. And it can be also about the world. Like the one I used earlier, you know, the world's a dangerous place. It's a real common one. So you don't have to have a negative core belief in all three categories. You might, you might just have the one about yourself, about others. You know, there's no rules with that, but that's where they fall into. So you can look at all those three areas of your life and see, do I have some negative, you know, core beliefs that are really affecting my life on a daily basis and really getting in the way of me being free and feeling good about, you know, where I am. So with that, I'll share with my core belief. Again, I didn't know I had this until I did some therapy, (laughs) figured it out, and then was able to start working through it. But I think I've mentioned in some other podcasts that when I was almost nine, my parents divorced and my mom actually was the one that left. And me and my brother and sister grew up with my dad. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and my mom originally left and went to Atlanta, Georgia for a year. And then her and my stepdad came out to California to visit my aunt and uncle, and then they decided to stay here. So they were across the country from where I lived. And I would see my mom once a year. Every summer, I would come out to California to visit her. And throughout the year, you know, my mom was great writing letters. We talked on the phone, sending gifts. You know, the relationship was still there, but her leaving, I created the core belief that I'm bound to be abandoned. Because even though the relationship was still there and I still felt loved by my mother, I definitely felt abandoned by her, by her leaving. And I didn't know this though, because 
I had to create some strategies to get through that difficult time. And that's another part I'm going to explain too, is we create these behavioral strategies to avoid dealing with this core belief because it was too painful for me to deal with the feelings of abandonment. And I wasn't able to grieve for leaving because it was just too painful. But that was there. And that's what I took from that, right? Because as children, we tend to believe that when things happen, it's our fault. And I believe that children also blame themselves because it would be too overwhelming for me to think like my parents don't know what they're doing. I mean, they, you know, they weren't able to, you know, to fix the marriage. They got, they, you know, got divorced. So as a kid, I'd be thinking like, oh my God, they can't manage. What am I going to do if I can't depend on them? So it's easier for me to blame myself and say something's wrong with me and I'm bound to be abandoned and that people won't, you know, stay there for me or be there for me, that type of thing. So that my strategy was just to not deal with it at the time. And I'll tell you my other strategy in a minute, because I had a multiple strategies of dealing with this, but that was my core belief from that incident in my life. So even though I want to say my dad was like my rock, he was, you know, there for us. He was an excellent dad, was there for the three of us. But her leaving was probably the most difficult thing I've gone through in my life. And again, I didn't know I even had an issue. Everything was good. I was, I was a pretty happy kid. I had a lot of friends. Again, I would see my mom every summer. We had a lot of fun when we came to California. My stepdad was a great guy. You know, I'm really grateful for him. And I just kind of went through life. And then when I became a teenager, I started dating, right? And I didn't really pick the nicest guys. They weren't mean, but they were never 100% committed, you know, that type of situation. And again, my strategy, unbeknownst to me, was you know, I was going to be the greatest girlfriend you could ever have because then you'd never abandon me. This is what I understand today. I didn't know that. But because of that, I put up with with bad behavior, you know, things that I wouldn't put up with today. Right. So again, I kept but I kept thinking it's me. Right. It's got to be me. What's wrong with me that these people won't commit or they're not the nicest or, you know, that kind of thing. Just a lot of back and forth and just always feeling bad about me instead of seeing their behavior wasn't good. But that was because I had this fear of being abandoned and I was chasing my mom through these other relationships. So I keep going on in my life. I don't get it. I don't get it right (laughs) until um, I get into a relationship with my first husband. And unbeknownst to me, again, that relationship, which I'm really grateful for today, allowed me to figure all this out. And it created such strong, powerful, hurtful emotions about abandonment. That that's when I finally went in to get some therapy to figure out, like, why am I freaking out over this relationship? Like, I'm, I'm getting more upset than I need to be. And luckily, my therapist kept pushing me regarding my mom and kept saying, you know, how could you think you're okay that your mom left? Why do you think you're okay? And, oh, I was fine. I was fine. I was happy. I had all this evidence. I was happy. But it came out in my relationship. So when I finally figured out, you know, my core is that I believe I'm bound to be abandoned. I'm only going to pick people that are going to abandon me. I'm not capable of picking people that are going to be there for me because I don't even believe that's true. So that's part of the problem, you know, is that we keep actually creating what we fear the most, right? Is this is what I believe and I'm creating this, but I'm like clueless and I'm not understanding like, why am I not happy? Why am I not picking? Why am I, you know, why am I not good enough, right? If I'm this great girlfriend, why aren't things working out? Because I really didn't believe that anybody was going to stay. 
And I had to work on my core belief about that I'm bound to be abandoned and to work through that abandonment, which I'm going to say right now will be another podcast specifically because I'd like to talk more about that because I find with my clients that I work with that the most common core belief, one of the most common, I should say, is that I'm bound to be abandoned because abandonment can happen in so many ways, right? It can, it can be how it happened to me where a parent isn't there. It can be when you have a parent there, but they don't give you that emotional connection or support that you need and you can feel emotionally abandoned. So it can come in many different ways, many different ways. And I think it's just important to talk about because it's a really common one. So just to share that. So I, I started understanding like, okay, you know, all of this, what I'm going through is for my trauma with my mom leaving. And I need to go back and deal with that core belief that was created and I need to change it so I can change my life. And then that's how I was able to create the marriage I have today by bringing somebody in that I wasn't afraid of that was going to abandon me. And I didn't have to be perfect and the greatest girlfriend and wife. I could just be me. And that was good enough. And that I can feel secure. And I don't have that fear anymore that if we have an argument or something happens that, oh my God, he's leaving. Like that's not there anymore. And I want to say that because it was so ingrained in my life, it's not that it doesn't ever pop up. I tell my clients, even when you change your core belief, it's going to pop up. It's going to get triggered somewhere because it's, it's like part of your DNA for a lot of us. And so I say it's like that whack-a-mole game, you know, when that, that mole pops up, I'm just whacking it like, oh yeah, that's my old stuff. I don't need to even go there. And I just keep moving on. So it's not like, oh, everything's perfect now. I never feel that way. Of course, you know, again, it just comes up from, and that's my stuff. That's my issue. It's not the person I'm dealing with, but I just need to recognize it so I can move on and to be able to change that. So if I'm holding on to the past to make it responsible for what I do now, I'm going to be stuck, right? That was the past, but I need to make changes because I have choices in my life today. And also when you feel like you have something to prove, which I did, which was my worth, right? That I wasn't free. I thought I was free. Yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm having fun. I wasn't free because I was chasing something that nobody could fix for me but me, right? I was chasing what I didn't have. And I was creating more of not having. I mean, that's the craziness of all of it that you're like, oh my God, now this makes sense to me. I can make some changes. But I've been just creating what I feared the most, which was being abandoned, because that's what I pursued, because I didn't believe in myself. So you can live, you know, to avenge the past, right? Which is what I was doing. I was like, I'm going to prove that I'm good enough that I won't be abandoned. But what I really needed to do was learn how to live in the moment and be present and create a happy life for myself and know that the past is not a reflection of who I am. So. I'm going to give you another example of a core belief a lot of people deal with is that I need to be perfect. You know, for those of you out there that are perfectionists, you know, you hold the belief that something is broken, which is you. Okay. And so your behavioral strategy is to, you know, maybe like get lots of degrees in school, have perfect grades, you know, always just look just right, have everything organized and set up in your life you know, look like you're always handling everything great, right? Some people look at, you know, we all know people go, oh my God, she's got her act together, right? Or him, right? And you do all these things and these different achievements, but none of them can fix what you think you are fixing, right? Because you think you're broken. 
So in trying to, you know, change what you think is imperfect, you're actually reinforcing it because I need all these things to show that I'm perfect. So I hope that makes sense, right? So again, we're just creating what we fear the most. So perfectionists really don't feel good about themselves because otherwise they wouldn't need to be perfect, right? And there's some belief that maybe was created at some time in your life that, oh, I need to be perfect and then everything will be okay or everybody will be happy with me or it'll all work out. And, you know, when we have a core belief that is active, we distort our experiences to fit that belief. So it's hard to even see positive reactions. You know, it's like if you don't feel good about yourself, you're not good enough. Somebody might compliment you. And then, you know, I've heard so many people say, you know, well, I don't really believe that. Or they're just being nice. Instead of just saying, oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. It really feels nice. I have that compliment, you know, from that person. So that's how you distort it because you don't believe it anyways because you don't think you're good enough, which is probably the second most common core belief I hear that I'm not good enough, right? It's really this absolute. So whatever happens, if you just don't do things right, if the relationship doesn't go right, if there's a problem at work, it just feeds into that core belief. So we want to again start changing it and also to understand for you to think about, you know, what are my behavioral strategies? What am I doing so that I don't have to deal with the real pain inside because that's a difficult place to go. And, you know, these behavioral strategies can last for years, right? Lasted years for me, right? And that what happens is when those don't work anymore, something happens and you go right back to that core because the core doesn't change from you just behaving differently. You really have to work on it and really start changing how you believe about yourself. Okay, how you believe about yourself. And when that changes, again, everything will change. So again, this is, it's heavy stuff. It's good stuff. Sometimes I have clients, I want to just mention this, you know, come and say, I don't want to deal with my childhood. I just want to deal with now. And I'm like, you know what? CBT is all about now. But sometimes our childhood is affecting our now and we need to figure that out. So we're not going to start there. Let's start figuring out what you're thinking. And when you're in situations and start changing those thoughts, but eventually we'll get to this point if that's something that you need. And I want to add also, it's not that we let go of all negative core beliefs, right? Some negative core beliefs might be, you know, understanding when we are in danger or when we need to be aware of, you know, there are people that can hurt you and you need to be aware. It's not that, oh, all people are great. Everybody's nice. I can trust everybody, right? I want to learn that I can trust people, but I also, I'm going to remember there's sometimes I can't trust people and I need to be aware of that. A great example they have in the Mind Over Mood book is just talking about a dog, right? That you learn like a dog that's wagging. And excited to see you is maybe a dog you'd approach and a dog that's growling, you're not gonna. So you need to also, it's not getting rid of all these negative core beliefs. Some help us get through life and protect us and make us, you know, help us have good judgment. It's the ones that are really causing problems and feeding into our depression, our anxiety, you know, our low self-worth. Those are the ones that we need to change. And it's possible, which is, again, the good news 
it is possible to get there. And with perseverance, you can. So I'm going to share an example of an exercise that you can use to get started. Okay. So once you figure out what your core belief is, the negative one, we want to change it to more of a positive. So looking through your thought records, like I said earlier, you can find maybe a theme with your hot thoughts. And also regarding your core belief regarding yourself, I just wanted to give you some more examples before we picked a new one, but they tend to fall under either helpless core beliefs or unlovable. So helpless core beliefs, examples are that, you know, I'm helpless, I'm powerless, I'm out of control, I'm trapped, I'm inadequate, I'm incompetent, I'm a failure. And again, I'm not good enough, like I've talked about before. Those are helpless core beliefs. Unlovable core beliefs tend to be that I'm unlovable, right? I'm unlikable, I'm unattractive, I'm bad, I'm defective. This can also be I'm not good enough in terms of being loved by others. I'm bound to be abandoned, which was the one I had. I'm bound to be alone, I'm different, I'm unworthy. So those are a lot I'm sharing, but those are just some just to give you some ideas of what those could be for regarding core beliefs about yourself and where they fall into. So if we were going to take one, let's say if someone has a core belief that I'm unlovable, let's use the example that we're going to change it to I am lovable. So you want to take a piece of paper and on the top, you're going to write new core belief and you're going to put down that I am lovable. And we're going to just start filling out evidence in your life and examples, experiences that you've had that shows that you're lovable. So I'm telling you, this is tough. In the book, there's a page that has 25 lines. I tell my clients, you come in with like two or three. I'm like, Yahoo, good job. Like we get excited. Like this is going against your belief system. And, you know, people have a hard time, even when we're doing it together, like, okay, I'll write that down, but I don't really believe it. I'm like, you don't have to believe it hundred percent, but if it's an experience you've had and it's evidence, we can put it down. Right. Remember, even with your new thoughts, it doesn't mean you believe them 100% right away. So, again, if you put down one or two or three, that's great. It's a very personal exercise. Right. So, I tell people that you don't have to, you know, if you're doing this one on your own and working with me, that's fine. If you do have someone in your life that you really trust and you can be vulnerable with, you can share this and say, hey, this is something I'm changing. What examples do you see? Because I'm telling you, others and myself, when I work with my clients, I can like rattle off at least 10 usually for them that I help them put down because it's way easier for people to see, you know, our worth than we can see for ourselves when we're struggling with these things. So if you do have someone in your life, you know, you can go to them and ask for help and suggestions. But again, if you do this just on your own or working with your therapist, obviously that's totally fine. So you want to just start writing this down. What you want to think about is, you know, like we're reprogramming your brain, right? We're reprogramming it to how you believe now. So we need a lot of information and it needs to be repetitive. So my other suggestion I tell my clients is once you start this list, every morning and night, just review it like 30 seconds. Like you don't have to memorize it. You just want to read it because you need this information continuously going into your brain. It's not something you want to write and then just close because you'll forget about it again. So again, it doesn't take long. You know, during the day, if an experience happens that makes you feel loved or liked or that was really nice, somebody commented or complimented you or you know, your partner just said, I love you, or they did something nice, you know, write it down, like, especially say if you're out and about or you're at work or something, you know, write it down because you'll forget when you get home, like, oh, that's something I can put down. That's more evidence that I am lovable. The other thing with this exercise is you can go back as far in your life. This isn't just what's going on in your life today. 
as far back in your life, if we're going to, you know, working on being lovable, if you had pets that you felt loved by, right? If you had relatives, you know, your aunts, uncles, grandparents that you felt loved by, even though maybe you didn't have that in your home, you know, put down any, you know, special neighbors, you know, I had some, you know, neighbors that were super kind to me when my mom was gone, you know, people like that, that, you know, those experiences. So you can, you know, anything you want to put down is fine. And you can go back as far as you can remember. And the other thing, again, if it's, even if it's the little stuff, don't be just focused on the big things. It's the little things. Again, people just saying hi to you. You know, I really enjoyed our day together. Someone asked you to go to lunch. Those could fall under the, you know, lovable, right? So we want to just take our time to fill this out, get some really good evidence and experiences, and, and you'll be able to find them. They're going to be there, but you have to be willing to be open and to start understanding that, you know what, I am lovable. And there's a lot of evidence in my life that is true to that. And I need to be open and start looking at that. Again, even if it makes me a little uncomfortable, that's important. Because if I can change this, I can really open up my world. And when I don't have to prove anything to anybody, that's when I am free. And that I don't have to live in fear, right? That I'm not going to meet some expectations or someone's you know, not going to like me or judge me. Like, not everybody's going to like you. But most people probably do that are in your life. And maybe you need to create an even bigger support system to feel more loved or to change your relationship if that's important. You know, so again, these are lots of just different ideas, but that's the one exercise you can get started with today is looking for evidence and experiences. And again, just do it on a piece of paper, you know, one through 25, you can get started. Some of my clients are way past 25 and they keep working on it. And then we look at other ones. Again, it's not just that you have this one negative core belief, right? You might have three or four you want to work on. So it's up to you. It's up to you what you want to work on and what's important. But again, when you can change your negative core belief to the positive, you will start noticing that all of those hot thoughts just really, they aren't there anymore. And the assumptions go away as well. So we got to get to the roots of that tree, right? We got to figure out what is going on, why I feel so bad about myself a lot of the times. Why, what's going on that I can continue to repeat negative situations or I don't leave bad relationships or I don't make good choices or I stay places for the wrong reasons or I'm making decisions out of fear. There's something going on with the core. So be brave and courageous, which I already know you are because you're listening to me and wanting to learn about ways to be better in your life. And again, reach out. I'm here. There's so many therapists out there that can help you as well, other CBT therapists that can help you deal with your core beliefs and, you know, love yourself enough, even if it's just a little bit right now, to go get the help you need if this is something you're struggling with and have someone help you also have the courage to work through it and to see that, you know, it really will get better and you can get better. And that I was able to, again, change my core belief that I don't have that fear of being abandoned. And then there's, you know, layers of, you know, I know I did a podcast on forgiveness. You know, that was part of my core belief was me being able to forgive my mom. And I love my mom. And me and my mom had a lot of happy memories and a lot of happy times. And, you know, she's in a nursing home now. She's still here with us. I know I'm talking in the past, but, you know, we were able to really have a lot of fun times and I have a lot of great memories. And I was able to forgive her so that I could be happy and that I didn't have to think that I was always going to be abandoned. 
and to be able to separate what she did from who I am. And that's what really helped me make those big changes and understand myself better. I share that with you just because I can relate to what you guys are going through. If this is a struggle, I've been there. I've walked through it. It's worth it. It's just worth it in a million ways. And then also it helped me probably be a better mom, knowing what I needed to do so my children never felt that fear of being abandoned. And by learning through what I went through, I was able to be better in that way. And because a lot of times the other thing you might notice as you're working on this is that if you've been abandoned, there's a good chance your parents were abandoned as well. You know, when you're abused, there's a good chance your parents were abused, you know, that it goes down in generations and you want to be the person that can change that. So you don't pass that on to your children. That's another positive that comes out of it. There's just so many out there. So again, I hope this has been helpful and do the work. It'll make a difference in your life. And I appreciate you again being here with me. I wanted to mention, which I wanted to say at the beginning, I forgot, but I know I mentioned on my last podcast, I'm still planning to do my Facebook Live on September 26th. It's going to be uh, at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And a week before that, I will create an event on Facebook. So if you like to join and ask questions and listen, that's how you'll be able to do that. So I'll be talking about that every week on my podcast. But just to put that in your uh, appointment book, if you want to join me, which I'd love to have you there, it should be a lot of fun. And that's what I'm planning to do. So I'll leave you with my mantra, make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel. Stay safe and be well. You just listened to my CBT podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram at mycbtpodcast. My email is mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. My website is mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. You can find me on Facebook at Dr. Julie Osborne and on LinkedIn at Dr. Julie Osborne. Whoa, Poe Productions.